Sometimes when we look back on our lives, we can see at certain moments the signs of what's to come, even though we might not have known what was forming within us at that time. I got a reminder of this kind of experience the last couple of weeks when uh, my wife and I were moving some uh, books around, and one of the things that got my attention uh, was my, my yearbook, my high school yearbook. Those uh, visual results are, are embargoed, so I won't be showing you that today, um, un- until and unless I want to preach on embarrassment. And there we go. Tons of material there. And what I saw on, on my page, on my yearbook page, was a, a tell, uh, an indicator that maybe I was heading in a, a, a distinct direction with my life, a distinct direction of where I am now drawn to matters of of spiritual depth, importance, and meaning, and in a not terribly traditional way. So the means and the medium of this expression in 1988, when I graduated from high school, uh, was was through this this group of people. Bad Brains. Any of you remember them? Bad Brains from the mid-80s? All right. Uh, They were a Rastafarian, hardcore punk rock band. This, by the way, is one of the most iconic images of the mid-1980s. If you were into punk, alternative music, what's now called college, I don't know what it's called anymore. That's HR, the lead singer, doing a stage dive that is one of the most uh, balletic things I've ever seen. (laughs) You know, how he lands on the person's head, well, maybe that isn't so uh, beautiful. So there's this quote from Bad Brains that I put on my yearbook page. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I was just a wee bit earnest, wasn't I, as an 18-year-old. So here's the thing. Um, That is not something Bad Brains wrote. I didn't know it at the time that I quoted it. I was just struck by the poetry, the beauty of it. It's from the Bible. It's from the book of Proverbs. It's from chapter 4, verse 23 of the book of Proverbs. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This is where the tale was. This very traditional insight that I received in a very non-traditional form found its, its purchase in my heart, and it continues to be valuable for me. I believe that, absolutely. That phrase, keep thy heart for all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, comes from what's known as the Hebrew Scriptures as the wisdom literature. The book of Job, Ecclesiastes, things like that. And there's different forms of Scriptures, different types of Scriptures in all the different world religions. Not just in Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, all kinds of different traditions. Some of the uh, forms of literature can be classified as esoteric, you know, the the hidden knowledge, the things most of the rest of the people can't see. Sometimes it's the ritualistic. This is how many cubits the ark has to be. Sometimes it's ethical, which can be beautiful and illuminating, or sometimes it can be moralistic, and you're saying, my God, no one should ever quote that 2,000, 2,500 years later. But I have to tell you that it's the wisdom literature in the Hebrew Scriptures and in so many other traditions that continues to be my most meaningful category of ancient scriptures that I draw from. Because it's all about the stuff that is baked into the cake. Mortality. 
we are creatures mysteriously born who we all know will someday die. That's kind of the essence of where wisdom literature starts with the stuff that none of us can escape. So Ecclesiastes, you probably know that, turn, 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 and all that. And, you know, turn, 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 we sing it sometimes here at Wellsprings, it's about one of those foundational things. Life changes. There's going to be different seasons in our lives. My favorite quote from Ecclesiastes says that the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Not mourning, but mourning as in death. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. And so as we start this new message series today, the end is where we start. It is about some of that stuff that is inescapable for all of us. The fact that we are mortal creatures and whatever we might believe about what came before or comes after, that right here, right now, this form doesn't last forever. Now, you know, there's a bunch of different ways. We, we could have maybe called this message series the heart of the wise in the house of the morning. Could have, you know, channeled my 18-year-old earnest self. Uh, we could have, you know, referenced more of the quote. This is from T.S. Eliot. The end is where we start from. We could have just simply called it impermanence. But Reverend Lee and I have been working on an alternative title that I'm going to share with you now. And we'll share with you throughout the rest of the series. We wanted it to be bracing. No, uh, no getting around what we were talking about. So this is, the end is where we start, a.k.a. Shit ends. That is the real title of this message series. Shit ends. It's our lives. That's everyone's life. And to take it just one more step into bathroom humor, but I trust me, there's a point here. When last spring I preached on kids' literature and the beautiful, amazing, Reverend Lee and I were talking about it. All the, the great wisdom we get from kids' literature. My favorite book that I preached on was, yes, Everybody Poops. Which is not to be scandalous, but it is to be honest. This is the path we all travel. To be mortal creatures. And this is where I think so often religious dogma misses the boat. When they want to overfly cast away the essential stuff beyond everybody poops it's everybody breathes and everybody dies this is the firm foundation that i believe the most transformative spirituality comes from and returns to individually and collectively and it can help correct us you know when we might skew to one side or the other there's some of us I've been this person in the past, not as much as the other category I'm going to get to in a moment. Uh, but, you know, we're, maybe we don't pay too much attention to death. We don't pay too much attention to the fact that we're mortal creatures, that someday we're all going to die. I think that what happens when we don't take our mortality seriously enough, we actually block one of the most profound ways that we connect our lives to the life of other people and grow the heart. We might dismiss the suffering of others, or maybe we would just kind of cast it off with a blasé, life sucks and then you die but without any heart there, without any paying attention. And just last night, I was at dinner, uh, my family's at dinner with my dad, who's 83 and has survived two cancers and is doing incredibly well. The most recent cancer he had is bladder cancer. And when he came in and sat down, we were visiting with him before dinner, he shared that 
the man who effectively saved his life by being uh, very much on point with a very aggressive bladder cancer that my dad had and remo eventually removed his bladder um, at the age of 57 died out of the blue. That took my breath away. One, because I'm so incredibly grateful to this man. Dr. Clare is his name. Was his name. Is his name. If we allow the awareness of others' mortality to stop us, to interrupt our own forward progress in this life, and sometimes literally take our breath away, it will also give us our breath back in an even deeper way. And then there's the other side of the equation, individually and collectively. To pay so much attention to death that it's the only reality there is. And by the way, the, the, the biggest uh, fictional villain of our time, this guy, <laughs> he can't stand that everybody poops, everybody breathes, and everybody dies. He is so obsessed, Tom Riddle, who becomes Voldemort, so enraged that he should have to join the common stock of humanity and be alive and have to die, as the UU minister Forrest Church said. That's the source of his villainy. That's the source of the viciousness that he visits upon all the other folks. So what I'd like to aim for today, and I hope we can open space for in this message series, is kind of that Goldilocks and the Three Bears approach to death and mortality. Not too much, not too little, just right. Just enough space. So that an opening to the everybody stuff we can unite our hearts and turn towards each other and this life more fully and yes this is why i believe the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning not because i think it's depressing it can seem that way but it's not i believe the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning not because i want to be sad but because i want to be alive saying yes to life openly saying yes to life travels the path of acknowledging that life ends. And of course it means as well that not all deaths are the same, right? You can still grow a wise heart with all the different kinds of deaths. I mean, there are the deaths that are incredibly unfair. There are the deaths that result from gross, terrible injustice. There are the deaths that result from quirks of genetic heritage. These are the kinds of deaths that may flummox us, may make us angry. The kinds of deaths due to violence or hatred. Deaths that just strike us as so incredibly unfair and they make us angry. There's the deaths as well that are expressed as that fear, for lack of a better phrase, and I think it's more true than sometimes as adults we let on to, the fear of the dark. The fear of feeling that we're going to be left alone. And sometimes there's the deaths even at the end of a rich, long, good life. The death that simply say, I'm going to miss you so much. Simple sadness. The thing is we can scratch the surface of all of these different kinds of deaths. And if we pay enough attention, we will find a wise heart there. We will find love. By remembering that the end is where we start, the feeling that arises very naturally 
is preciousness. That we are all so limitlessly precious. And the expression that this preciousness drives us toward, if we trust it, is care. It's like Kathleen was talking about. I do loving kindness practice because I know that someday I will die. And I know that someday all of you will die and everyone I care about will. And I want to love as deeply as I can in the time that I have. Some of you might remember that around the time or just after the singer Lou Reed's death, Lori Anderson, his wife, wrote a beautiful piece about Lou's life at the end of his life. And she concluded her reflections upon their spiritual practices and their love and their final wishes with each other with these words. She said, I believe that the purpose of death is the release of love. I believe that the purpose of death is the release of love. And one of those ways is kind of, well, obvious, you know, loving and letting go. That's what we all got to do. But I think she's saying something more. It's not just about letting go. I believe that the purpose of death is the release of love. To remember to share. The basic stuff. Don't hoard our hearts. That's what she's saying. That's why final things first. I had a friend many years ago. I haven't seen this guy in a while. And in doing this message series, I thought of these words. I hadn't thought of them in well over a decade. He was someone who survived in like the first third of his life like in his 20s, uh, a cancer that came very, very close to killing him. And one day as we were kind of sitting around, myself and some other friends reflecting on that, it came up. And this is actually, this guy's not like me. He's actually not too earnest. <laughs> He's not overly voluble. Um, but he said, you know, I, I got to tell you if I'm honest, uh, facing my own death didn't really make me happier. But, and I remember he paused. But it made me larger. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. It made his life more spacious, more open. And that's why one of the things that uh, Reverend Lee's wonderful ordination uh, last fall, I charged her, and I also charged myself, and I charged all of us, by encouraging us to let our hearts break. Because when we our hearts break, the love that is there opens. Kind of like in this well-known piece by uh, you know, Leonard Cohen. I've used it before. I'll use it again. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And far be it for me to uh, add anything to the wise words of that Zen Jew. I mean, Leonard Cohen is that. He's a wonderful teacher. But it's not just that the light gets in. It's that when we allow our hearts to break, the light also gets out. And we will pay attention. And we will grow. So Leonard Cohen, the wisdom literature in the Hebrew tradition, it's all part of these various versions, like I was mentioning. Um, sometimes they're called contemplative traditions. It's where I really plant my flag spiritually. Uh, by the way, I don't call contemplative mystical stuff. Sometimes people use that. Um, I'm really not a fan of the word mystical. Uh, one, because it gets kind of real, real woo. Um, but it's not even that. It's that mystical sometimes is an excuse to get beyond all the human stuff. 
And I find that the contemplative teachers are the ones who are really paying attention to what is here and to what is now and to the stuff that we do not get to pass around or tunnel over if we really want to grow our hearts and our lives. And so this is another teacher from that contemplative tradition. This is a man who taught for a number of years at our Starkin UU Seminary, Dr. Ibrahim Farajaje. His quote, to die before you die, bittersweet, why? He said there is a bitter taste like the delicious and bitter taste of bitter orange, in the process of letting go, of realizing that all one can do is let go before getting to the sweetness, there is that moment of utter and total terror at realizing that one cannot stop the process and then the settling into as yes, until there is no longer an I to say yes. There is only yes. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. Now I thought of Ibrahim scholar of Unitarian Universalism and of Sufism, of Islam, and many other contemplative traditions. Because Ibrahim died within the last month. And the outpouring of love on Facebook from my UU colleagues and friends who had been former students was unlike anything I had ever seen. So many stories. So many stories, one after another after another, and all coming back to this one word. I think this was honoring his Islamic tradition and his heritage. When they spoke of Ibrahim, they spoke of him as the beloved. Now fully united with the beloved. In Islam, there's this tradition of the 99 names for God, for the deity. And the beloved is one of them. And, you know, as Unitarian Universalists, we don't spend a ton of time talking about the afterlife. (laughs) There's no insurance policy, we tell you about that, as one UU minister said. It's not that many of us deny it. I certainly don't, the possibilities of it. It's just that it can be beside the point. What I believe about Ibrahim and those he touched is that his life was a pointer to the Beloved that we were and we are now and we always will be. Why was he so mourned and so missed and yet still so loved because there was no past tense and is no past tense in that love? It's because as a teacher, he taught that. He taught that thing, that thing that sometimes we ask ourselves, have you gotten your affairs in order? I mean, I felt that this past week. I was asked to be a health care proxy a healthcare power of eternity for someone, for someone getting their affairs in order. Not looking past, not overlooking. This is what happens when we can put the final things first. We might be able to do what Ibrahim said to say yes to all of this life and open our hearts wide. To do, as Psalm 90 says, to number our days so that we might have a heart of wisdom. A number of years ago, maybe three, four years ago, I was asked to do a memorial service. I talked about my yearbook. The first time I had been back to my boarding school, I went to Hill School back in the old dark days when they were single sex. Um, you know, I got to tell you, and I've shared some of this with you before, 
I was not a happy camper when I was there. They helped set me up for a tremendous amount of educational success. They taught me how to write the perfect five-paragraph essay. They gave me a great education. But I was not happy there. I developed some not-so-good habits there as a way to deal with my unhappiness. And I wasn't planning to go back for my 25-year reunion until one of the people on that planning group, knowing that I was a minister, said, would you come and do a memorial service for our classmates who had died? I mean, these are guys who had died in their 20s and their 30s. Most recently, one of them who had reached out to me in the midst of a suicide attempt and was able to get to in a moment but was not able to save. Died in his early 40s. These were unseasonable deaths. And I went back, and I did the memorial service at our reunion weekend. And as I sat looking out there, seeing these faces, the faces had changed a little bit in 25 years. <laughs> a lot less hair in 25 years. But the most incredible and heart-opening change for me was that these are faces I didn't necessarily like very much. I mean, I could see the old story running, the guy with the ego, the guy who was the bully, the guy who was just kind of weird. And what I saw on all those faces were tears. We put the final things first. So many of those barriers we set up against each other and even more within ourselves can drop away. It can be a taste of what other traditions point to, and our tradition does as well, Reconciliation. Now, sometimes reconciliation is all about the life to come. This is kind of my first and final words on the matter. I believe there's something that comes after this. I believe some form of consciousness abides. Beyond that, don't ask me. Uh, Because, by the way, I have no desire in being part of a spirituality that wants to colonize the afterlife. Because it's just a dodge. It's just another way of saying if the focus is on there, then we're not paying attention to here. And we're not seasoning the heart. And so that tremendous softness that I felt, that tremendous opening of the heart that I felt with these guys that I didn't like so much, I'm doing that memorial service, that it stayed with me. We can let those moments, if we pay attention to our frailty, also our strength. We can let those moments change us, grow us, form us, heal us. Recognizing at the end that most beautiful and wonderful paradox that because everything ends, death has the capacity to love us back to life. Amen. May you live in blessing. Would you pray with me? Mysterious spirits, eternal abiding, the beloved, present in it all. So much we cannot know, and yet so much in this life that we are able to grow with if we choose to open our hearts. That we are this amazing, confounding, delicious mix of finitude and freedom. Of being a lie and having these limitless hearts 
and these physical hearts that will also someday stop beating. May all of us live in this delicate tension, this beautiful, enlivening, painful dance of our mortality. Let us see more clearly. Let us open our hearts more fully. Let us love with greater abandon, not hoarding that limitless energy. It is not ours to keep. It is ours to give, and it is ours then to get back and to give away once more. Today, may we pay attention as best we can and make some of those final things not down the list, but allow them to be first. Amen.